Before we dive into this episode, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please take a second to leave a review. Reviews help boost the show so that others struggling in a toxic workplace can find it. You can also go to my website, ToxicWorkplacePodcast.com, to send me a message. Or if you want to be a guest on the show, you can fill out a submission request. Your story will be completely anonymous. All names are changed to protect the employee and the employer. So before finding this job, I was working part-time at a different nonprofit. Honestly, it was great. They just couldn't give me full-time work, and I was looking for a more full-time opportunity. This is Haley. With a background in marketing and experience working for a nonprofit, Haley was excited to hear about a prospective job opportunity where she would be working with a close family friend as a marketing administrative assistant for a prestigious nonprofit group. My manager, Jenna, she was actually a family friend. Our parents have been friends for like 30 years. I'd always heard about her job and she would always talk about how much she loved it. She would always say it was a private Christian nonprofit and that it dealt with really high level individuals in popular culture. My whole family, we thought her job was like so cool. It was like top secret. She couldn't tell any of us about it. And it was kind of this mysterious thing. But I knew that she loved it and she was the marketing manager. I heard that she was hiring and I reached out and I said, hey, like, is this something maybe I could apply to? Is this on your team? And so she sent me the job description and I applied. I really wanted to learn more and grow in my career. And I thought she'd be a good person to do that with. The opportunity to work with Jenna seemed like a dream come true. Haley had always looked up to her and admired her career aspirations. Haley was also intrigued by the prestige and mystery surrounding this nonprofit group and couldn't wait to be part of an organization whose mission was to spread goodness across the nation. But Haley was being deceived by both Jenna and this organization, both of whom maintain a facade of wholesomeness and positivity. But on the inside, they were controlling and devious. My name's Carly, and this is Toxic Workplace, a podcast that gives a platform to those who have survived highly toxic work experiences, only to come out with newfound wisdom and a renewed sense of self. A toxic workplace is more than just the daily grind. It's a soul-crushing experience that will chip away at your sanity until you're about to lose your mind. It's an abusive relationship that's hard to leave. And the longer you stay, the more you lose sight of who you set out to be. So I applied and we met up for coffee and she told me a tiny bit about the organization, but um, not much looking back. She mainly just went over like the tasks of the job description with me, which also looking back were pretty big. The organization, what she described to me, it's a private Christian nonprofit. They're very strict with their privacy because they deal with high net worth individuals. So she kind of said, I can't tell you too much about it, but we utilize their wealth and influence to do really good Christian projects nationwide. And we host conferences for all of them to get together and kind of like donate to these projects together, like a philanthropy group. And so that whole conversation was incredibly mysterious, but positive and like everything was in her words, amazing and incredible and such a great opportunity. She talked about this organization, like they were literally this secret group that's like changing the world for good. And she talked about the importance of flexibility in a nonprofit, wearing multiple hats. Everyone kind of just helps where they're needed. And I felt okay about that because I had worked for a different nonprofit that was a little bit similar. It was kind of the the idea of a small but mighty team. Like you do a lot of things and you get a lot of things done. So that didn't really come across as a red flag to me at first. But overall, she spoke in very vague generalities and made everything sound super positive. She also used kind of all or nothing speech. I have a text that she sent me like when we were just chatting about the job and she was seeing if I was interested. She said, we're a very efficient team full of highly initiative taking and proactive members. We're not looking to hire for hiring's sake. We need to be wise with the money entrusted to us. 
which means we don't take things flippantly. We're a solid company full of highly motivated, incredible people. So keep that in mind. It's not a job for someone who wants to coast, do the bare minimum, or be bored. I started researching before accepting the offer. There's nothing on Glassdoor, nothing on LinkedIn, social media, literally nothing. They don't even have a website. If you go to their website, I think it's just a logo that shows up. Really, the only things I could find online were pretty intense headlines regarding recent elections and kind of some sketchy things. So I asked the marketing director about these things and before I, you know, got the offer and she was like, oh, nothing you find online is true. None of that's true because those people just hate our organization and they just want to see us get canceled. I was like, okay, like that, that could be, there's probably a little truth, but I'm just going to give it the benefit of the doubt because it made it really sound like they're doing such amazing things that like people are out to get them, you know? The buildup of this organization was everything. The mystery surrounding the details sparked curiosity and a sense of adventure for Haley. She thought she was about to enter an exclusive, unique workplace with a powerful mission and impact on society. But the power behind this organization came from Christian nationalists with big pockets who used their power and influence to gain political strongholds. The organization was two-faced, with an external face differing from the internal. And since tone is set from the top, the managers of this organization, including Jenna, were also two-faced. In the very beginning, this was hard to pinpoint for Haley since she had known and trusted Jenna for so long. Jenna was also good at framing things in a certain way that made it easy for Haley to believe in what she was saying. So on my first day... I signed my NDA, and then I learned what the organization really did. I found out that it wasn't as positive as she had made it sound, and that it was very political and very just not what I thought at all. So she's telling me about how the organization was founded and kind of their story, and the founder was super sketchy. So before starting the organization... He was convicted of felony grand theft and embezzlement, and then he got out of prison and he founded this organization, basically. But while he was in prison, they also discovered that he was part of all these other like money laundering schemes, and they were like some of the biggest money laundering schemes in the state where he resided. It was just super weird. I'm finding that out, and I'm like, well, so that's our founder? And she's like, no, he's not the founder. I'm like, okay, well, who was? It's because they there there were two founders technically. So she was like trying to avoid saying he was the founder and trying to only tell me about the good one, basically. And I was like, well, this like this article right here online says that this guy was the founder who was in prison. Like, is that true? She's like, well, yeah, but you know, he's not here anymore. He was asked to leave. Then she told me a little bit about, you know, he was a toxic CEO and basically treated people horribly. There were all kinds of harassment and he was just not a kind person. He got things done, but he wasn't kind. And this is who Jenna, my manager, learned her leadership style from because it was her first job right out of college. She kind of worked right alongside this guy. So I was a little concerned. You know, I'm like, whoa, like this guy was a criminal. And she was like, well, I got to travel all over the nation with him and I just saw a different side of him. His story, he would tell everyone that his embezzlement and money laundering was all temptation that he faced in life and that he overcame and he like had this come to Jesus moment in prison. And then that's why he got out and founded this organization among others that he founded. And the fact that he could get out of prison and then convince like 200 multimillionaires to join a philanthropy group and like pay him. I just can't, I don't get that. I don't get it. The organization had kind of two ways that it could be described. The first one is their PR elevator pitch, which was kind of, you know, what I already said that she told me, this is a private Christian nonprofit led by high net worth individuals and we donate to good projects nationwide. And then there's the more realistic version, which would be, um, This is a political philanthropy group made up of high net worth Christians who put their money 
towards policies, lawsuits, and investments that maximize their influence on political outcomes. Basically, members paid to be part of this group. They were required to meet a certain net worth, a very high net worth. And then they paid anywhere from like fifty to $70,000 a year to be members of this group. They pay to attend events where like all of this networking happens for all these projects. They've been very influential with their money um, and their strategies. So our responsibility as the nonprofit workers was to host conferences and provide events that they could attend and network with each other on executing these projects within the country. Jenna was able to convince Haley that the bad press she found online was fabricated by people who wanted to tear down the organization because they opposed their Christian beliefs. Jenna also painted a positive, exciting picture of the exclusive events they would be planning together. At the start of Haley's employment, Jenna was warm and welcoming, which made Haley feel like she made the right choice by accepting this position. So starting out at this job, I felt like Jenna and I were friends. She was my direct report, but like we worked very closely together. I would work at her house. We would go work at coffee shops. There were just all these things that we did together right in the beginning when I started. She would buy me gifts and, you know, I bought her a gift. Like looking back, it was like so syrupy, sweet and like surface level. About a month in, she was just a lot. Work was everything. She would text me more about work. She worked insane hours. I was getting emails late at night. So I came to find out that the only thing she had planned for my actual job was sending emails in MailChimp to our client base. I'm pretty sure they call it MailChimp because like a monkey could do it. It's so easy. So that was all that I was doing for my job. And I kept you know, referring to the job description and saying like, hey, there's these responsibilities. Do you want me to learn this? And she would just kind of respond with like, oh, you know, I've been doing that for so long and I really struggled delegating. I just want you to get really good at what you're doing now. And then I'll be able to hand more off later. I felt like she set these really high expectations of this job is not for people who want to slack off and It's for highly motivated people. She set the bar really high and then like set my responsibilities really low. She was constantly complaining about how she was so busy, so overloaded. She wouldn't do this to me personally, but she would do it the moment we got around other team members, like immediately. I felt like they would kind of look at me like, well, then why are you here? Like, like, what are you doing? Like, why aren't you helping her? I would always go to her after moments like that and ask her, like, hey, is there anything else I could take off your plate? Anything I can help you with? I knew she struggled to delegate. She'd never been a manager before. So I was trying to help her figure out what can I hand off so that I'm not staying up till midnight emailing people. She would get offended when I would ask questions like that or even just questions in general. She literally just hated me asking questions and she would take it as, why are you challenging my authority as your leader? It was definitely her own insecurity of being in management and not feeling qualified, but it just made me feel like I could never learn. So she was a very detail-oriented person. And I feel like every job, you know, says, oh, you need to be detail-oriented. This organization was like so intensely detail-oriented to the point of it would not save us time. Like, it would waste time. Everyone was so, so uptight. Jenna portrayed herself as diligent, hardworking, and as though she had all of the right answers. She framed her inability to delegate as a badge of workaholic honor. Haley says that Jenna thought her micromanagement was cute and would talk about it like it was a sweet, endearing personality trait. But it wasn't a simple, minor personality flaw. Jenna was extremely insecure and passive-aggressive. She would set Haley up to fail in front of their teammates and refuse any help or suggestions from Haley that would have made the workload more manageable. I'm dealing with all these struggles with her not delegating, not being clear in her expectations of me, not letting me meet her expectations. And I quickly realized what I thought would be 
really awesome marketing experience with a really qualified career woman was really just sending emails and MailChimp. I thought I was the problem. I thought that I was just like not doing a good job and that, you know, she was so professional and detail oriented and good at what she did and smart. I thought really highly of her. When you're just starting out in your career, what you really need from management is someone who will build you up and help you understand good boundaries in the workplace. And I just was not getting that. Um, I was constantly questioning myself and my abilities and just everything really about how I was doing. The main task of the internal team was to organize conferences for our members. We had a conference in December that was really high stress beforehand leading up to the event. You know, there's a lot of deadlines you need to make. There's a lot of getting people to book their rooms. And these were very wealthy people. So they were expecting us to figure out all their stuff. <laughs> and they they just want to like show up. Uh, we would go to like luxury five-star resorts. They were long days. They were about 16, 17 hour days where you're on your feet, you're running around, you're helping people figure out where to go. Everyone got a schedule for the day that was like a big spreadsheet and you had your name listed at your responsibilities. Like every minute, every hour was scheduled out for you of like what you needed to do and where you needed to go. That's what I was expecting when I went. Jenna had told me all about this, how it's so stressful, how you're so tired at the end, but that it's worth it, you know? And so I was like, okay, I'm really going to prove myself at this conference because clearly she doesn't think that I'm doing a good job. I was just very determined and I'm not an intense person. I'm very accommodating. So if anyone needs help, I'm like, yeah, sure. Absolutely. So we get to the event, we get our schedules. My schedule has nothing on it compared to what the, the rest of the team is doing. Our managers were responsible for creating our schedules. So Jenna created my schedule and really gave me nothing to do. She gave me like two or three things a day that were very minor things. Meanwhile, so they're not utilizing me, but they're contracting out to like other people. They hired my husband as like a contract events team helper. He knows less about this organization and he's doing like way more than me. And like, it's kind of a waste of money. Like you're not utilizing the employees that you have, but you're paying more people to come work with you. I, at the conference, I reached out to her and I was like, hey, I'm feeling okay about this. I'm not super stressed. If you want to give me more to do, like, I don't know if maybe you thought I would be nervous, but I'm doing great. I can do more if you want me to. And she was highly offended at that text. She was like, acted like I was like challenging her leadership and not appreciating her leadership style. It was very dramatic. <laughs> I was just like, okay, whatever. I'll just help people when they ask for help. I'll just be around and, you know, do the best I can with what I've been given. Um, you know, we're setting things up for the conference. We're unpacking boxes. It's like, it's crazy. And so I would ask Jenna, I'd say, Hey, is there anything you need from me? Anything you want me to help with? And she's like, you know, just stand there and be a fly on the wall. I'm like, okay. So I'm sitting there or standing there waiting for her to give me a command because that's what she wants me to do. And then someone else would come up, someone else on the team and say, hey, are you busy? And I'd say, no, what's up? And I'd go and help them with whatever they needed. Sometimes it was five minutes. Sometimes it was like an hour, but I had nothing on my schedule. So I would come back and she would kind of be like flustered at me and like a little passive aggressive. During the conference, it was the same thing. Even whatever I had on my to-do list for the day, she would sometimes just go do it and like not tell me. Basically just do it so that I had like nothing left to do. I don't know if it was intentional or if she just thought she could do it better real quick. I felt like it was ridiculous. There were moments where I was just like brought to tears because I was like, what am I doing here? Why am I here? This event was one of the main focal points of Haley's job. So when she was tossed aside by Jenna, it felt deflating, which is exactly how Jenna wanted her to feel. Jenna wanted to be glorified as the one who does it all, and Haley was in the way of accomplishing that. Jenna was also a product of this organization's culture, which believed in strict adherence to the rules. 
The organization itself idolized perfection. The only way I can describe it is perfection supersedes common sense every time. You know, we had to be careful with the members' private information and their names and things. So I think there was one instance where a girl on our events team left out some name cards, like table tents on a table that she was supposed to pick up. And like our director of events got really upset at her for it and reprimanded her to the point where she went into a supply closet and was just like curled up in a ball and crying. She was telling me about that, like as one of her first experiences at this organization and trying to, to comfort me like, hey, it's really intense. It's crazy. And like, you just gotta get through it. Striving for perfection and strict adherence to the rules can have negative consequences for workplace culture. Employees may become demoralized and disengaged when strict adherence to the rules takes precedence over recognizing individual contributions, creativity, and initiative. A lack of autonomy can lead to reduced job satisfaction. The rigid culture of this organization forced employees to comply with the agenda even when it didn't make sense leaving employees, including Haley, feeling frustrated and unfulfilled. There was an incident where actually one of our guest speakers at this conference was a family friend of mine. I've known him my whole life. You know, when when we see each other, it's hugs and it's, how are you doing? And like, just catching up. And it was kind of odd that he was there. Like, I didn't know he knew about this organization. And, you know, it was just interesting that we ran into each other. I had like all the backstage schedules for the speakers in a folder that I was carrying around. And he asked me real quick, he's like, Hey, do you know what time I'm supposed to be backstage? I forgot. And I need to see the schedule. So I pulled it out and I showed it to him. It's literally on a piece of paper. So I can't like get that wrong. Right. So I'm in the middle of answering his question. And Jenna comes up and she steps in front of me and cuts me off and pulls out her own schedule and starts showing him the same exact thing. (laughs) And like, he looked at me like, what? Like, why did she just like, he was very confused too. Like, it was just very weird. And I just kind of stepped back and my husband was there. He looked at me. He's like, what in the world? So she, she shows him on the schedule where he needs to be. And then All of us on the team had like radios in our ear. So she gets on the radio and with me standing right there and she goes, everyone, if there are any speakers that come up to you asking about backstage, like that is my responsibility. You should direct them to me to answer any questions. I stepped forward and I was like, hey, I'm sorry about that. If like I wasn't trying to cross into your responsibilities, he just asked me real quick and, you know, I pulled out the schedule for him. And she she was like, well, in the future, you just always need to be aware of the hierarchy and like people's responsibilities and the processes that we have in place. I'm like, okay. Just one example of many at that conference that I thought was kind of humorous. Jenna was trying to exert power over Haley by stepping in and giving directions to this guest speaker. She took it a step further by passive-aggressively announcing over her headset that all inquiries were to be funneled through her. This was a shaming tactic to put Haley on the spot, a subtle sort of public shaming in front of her colleagues. But that was part of the culture at this organization. There was a lot of passive-aggressive behavior, gossip, and scrutiny amongst the team. After the conferences, we would all have like debrief meetings about how things went. Everyone had a debrief with everyone, like one-on-one. There's 13 of us. Like we could all just debrief together in one conference room and get it over with. But instead it was like these gossipy one-on-one conversations that people were having about like, oh, so-and-so did this and -and so-and-so did this. And like, maybe you should talk to them about it. Like just stupid stuff. And the concerns that people would bring forward were, again, like these very minute details. It was people who were friends with the management that like were kind of trying to get in good with them. So they would just bring up things about other people. So anyway, debrief comes for me after this conference. And Jenna starts out the call with saying, um, so, you know, it's a Christian organization. So she starts out this call by saying, you know, I hope that you can have eyes to see and ears to hear in this meeting to grow as a sister in Christ. 
And I'm like, who are you, Jesus? Like, what are we going to be talking about in this debrief? And then she opened in prayer and then like continued. I immediately knew this call was going to be very unprofessional. So she told me that I ask too many questions and that I have a problem with her authority and that that needs to be corrected. She would always say like, oh, I didn't ask for this leadership management position. God put me here. It was just so like fake humility. And then she told me that I was too direct. Yeah, I am very direct, but I'm very kind when I am direct. The way she made it sound was like, if she would tell me to go do something, I would be like, well, why? Why are we doing that? I don't agree with that. (laughs) And like, that's not, I would not do that at all. I was like very accommodating to anyone that asked me for help. I brought up the incident where she cut me off in front of that backstage speaker. And I was like, is there something I did wrong there? Why did you feel the need to like interrupt me? Was I telling him the wrong thing? She's like, no, I just, I just wasn't sure if you were telling him the wrong thing. And I wanted to make sure that it was accurate, but it's not because I don't trust you. And I was like, okay. And she said, and you don't need to be jealous of me, Haley. It's not a competition. I was like, what the hell? Like, I'm not jealous of you in any way at all. In the moment, I tend to like freeze in those conversations because I felt like I was just being attacked. Like my motives, she wasn't asking me like, hey, when you ask questions, do you mean it this way? You know, and I wasn't given the opportunity to clarify like, no, I just want to know what you expect from me. And I want to make you happy with my performance. Like, that's all I want. It wasn't that. She was telling me what my motivations were and why I did certain things. So at that point, I just didn't really try to argue with anything. So she had these assumptions about me. I just felt like that call, the way that it went, she was just shrouding her personal feelings as feedback. So she's super like uptight, right? So taking these little tiny details or miscommunications and blowing them up into like, I want to take her job, like, like these weird accusations. In that conversation, she was pulling the manager card. She used examples of like, yeah, when I told you to stand there and be a fly on the wall and just wait for if I needed help, you would go off and you weren't doing what I told you to do. And I'm your manager and I'm your authority. So like, why do you have a problem with my leadership? And I was like, I didn't have a problem with your leadership. I was just helping someone out. Like, like it was just the most ridiculous conversation. So the next day I texted her and I said, Hey, can, can we like get together in person and talk through these things? Cause I just want you to know my intentions and my heart towards you is only wanting to help. I'm not jealous of you. I don't want your job. I don't have a problem with your leadership. Like I just want to help you. And she was like, no, we don't really need to talk about that anymore. What we talked about yesterday doesn't affect our day to day. So just keep working as normal. I had to push back even more and just say like, no, I need to talk with you about this because I need to to tell you where I'm at. She agreed and we had another call and I just very, very clearly, I repeated myself a million times. I was a broken record, but I said, I don't want your job. I'm not jealous of you. I don't have a problem with your authority. I think you're doing great. I just wanted to help you. And I'm sorry. There was no like, oh, yeah, I'm sorry. I made assumptions about you. There was one point where she said something like, like, clearly you need more validation from me. And like, you are appreciated. I really appreciate you. And you're a valued asset to the team. But like, It felt very patronizing. Like I was trying to clarify like, hey, you attacked my motives. She kind of acted like I was getting offended because I received feedback. Not that I was offended because my motives were attacked. (laughs) It was kind of weird. It felt like she was trying to appease me. And I was like, look, I know you appreciate me. I know like it's okay. I'm not like feeling insecure right now. I just need you to know that I'm not like jealous of you and I'm not trying to attack your authority because <laughs> those were the accusations. Jenna started out her debrief with Haley by invoking their Christian beliefs as a manipulative tactic to appear divinely guided. 
She then attempted to gaslight Haley into believing she has issues with her authority and that Haley wasn't helpful at the conference. Afterwards, when Haley requested to discuss their debrief in person, Jenna downplayed the conversation and tried to avoid confronting the truth. After Haley insisted and Jenna reluctantly agreed, Jenna further tried to manipulate the situation by using patronizing language, saying she realizes Haley needs more validation. Jenna is framing the issue as if it's Haley's emotional need for validation that's the problem, rather than addressing her false criticisms. This shifts the focus away from Jenna's behavior and onto Haley's perceived shortcomings. Jenna goes on to reassure Haley that she's a valued member of the team and that she shouldn't worry. This is a form of false praise and reassurance. By doing this, Jenna creates a false narrative that Haley was anxious or insecure, even though there is no evidence to support that. The overall effect is a manipulative distortion of reality. Jenna is creating a narrative that places Haley in a position of perceived weakness and dependence, reinforcing Jenna's authority and control. I just never felt the same after that about work. I couldn't look past things. I couldn't excuse them. Every day was just like more and more frustrating. (laughs) Our next conference was six months later in June. So in that meantime, there were a lot of things that happened, but um, a lot of us were experiencing bad treatment from our managers and we all started realizing it together. So our team was 13 people. Three of them were managers. This is excluding the interim CEO. That leaves 10 of us and seven of the 10 wanted to leave. And the other three that remained were friends with the management. I started to realize, oh, I'm not the problem. I'm not crazy. This is a bigger issue. Um, They learned from the previous CEO and then this interim CEO, like horrible leadership styles, like everyone is suffering right now and everyone wants to leave. So yeah, so we're all starting to talk to each other. It was very therapeutic and you know, kind of like, okay, we're in this together. Let's hang in there until we get a new CEO. Because really all of this was coming from the interim CEO. That's what I thought. The June conference rolls around, you know, we're getting ready. It's very busy. I get there and I had asked the events director if I could work with her on site because technically our events director gave people their on-site responsibilities. So I had asked her like, hey, it didn't really go super well with me and Jenna last time. Could I work with you and try to learn from you how to run the event? And she's like, oh yeah, I'll put you with me. So she did, but I was still walking on eggshells the whole time, kind of, you know, just very wary of trying, like saying anything that could be misconstrued or used against me. But then at the same time, there was a group of us that we had all started talking to each other about our struggles. So it was kind of fun to be in person and feel like we had closer friendships. I stayed late often like to help Jenna with things, even like though I wasn't necessarily working with her at the event, I tried to help her as much as I could. So at the end of this conference, They introduced our new CEO. He really gave us a lot of hope. One of the things that I think might be noteworthy is they didn't want to tell the internal team about him until they told the members about him. I think it indicates how much they really cared about the employees. Like they didn't really care about us because it was horrible timing to tell us because we're all stressed and busy and, you know, like trying to put on this event and we should have probably known like a week or two before just to prepare. I experienced moments where I saw the director of operations and some of the other coworkers that kind of sucked up to her. They were talking trash about other members on the team. They were very just like unprofessional and disrespectful about certain people and like calling them stupid, you know, very similar to the December experience, but I was a little more prepared. So the debrief rolls around the following week and I debriefed with our events team because that's who I worked with on site at the event. 
I was very clear with the events director, like, if you have any feedback for me, please tell me. Like, I want to know how I can improve next time. I want to know what I did well, what you would like me to do again. And she was very, like, kind and very impressed. She was like, no, you did great. You killed it at what you did at this event. You manage your responsibilities well, and I don't have any negative feedback for you. And I was like, okay, whew, like I made it. Maybe this will get better. So two weeks later, so, you know, everyone's having these weird, like one-on-one debriefs. I didn't really have any except with the events director. And Jenna comes to me and she's like, hey, can you schedule a one-hour call for you and me tomorrow to debrief about the June event? And my heart just sank. I was like, oh, no, there's something that someone told her or she she found something, you know, that she didn't like. So I scheduled it and I asked, like, hey, can you let me know what this is about? She's like, no, just just come tomorrow. So I go to the meeting. Same thing. Um, She starts it out like with prayer and with like, as your sister in Christ, I'm only giving you this feedback because I want to help you grow. (laughs) So using religion to be a bully and it has nothing to do with my performance. Okay. You're going to talk to me about being my sister in Christ. Then that has nothing to do with work. Make it about work or make it about religion. She started with that. And then she gave this like weird intro to her feedback that was like, I'm just the messenger of this information. I've received several feedback from several people on the team. And I just really am concerned and I just want to help you grow. I'm like, okay, like, what is she going to tell me? Because that makes it sound like, like, am I this highly offensive person? And I just don't know it. So she told me that, again, I'm too direct, that I don't come across as personable and kind, and that my interpersonal skills need work. I was very calm, very quiet, and I was like, is there something I did? Did I offend somebody? Do you have any context for me? And she immediately, she's like, no, no, I I can't give you any examples because I wasn't there this is coming from several other people. So, you know, I just, I can't, but I just need you to ponder that in your heart. So at that point I asked, are you sure? Like, is there someone that I offended that you can direct me to that person? This sounds like it could have just been a miscommunication. And she was like, no, I can't. I'm just gathering all this feedback from all these other people. And I just need you to take it and think about it. So I started to feel uncomfortable and I asked, you know, could we pause this call and bring in a third party for accountability? We really didn't have HR, but our staff handbook did say, if you're uncomfortable with a conversation with management, you can bring in a third party. So I asked and she said, you know, managers aren't better than everybody. You know, I'm no better than you, but as your manager, really God put me in this position And, you know, I didn't ask for this authority. He gave it to me. And I really don't think that that's what's best for you in this call. I didn't know what to say. I was kind of shocked because I was like, I feel like you're digging yourself in a hole right now. Like you're not following the handbook at this point. And so I asked again and she said the same thing again. Then she paused and she's like, what are you thinking? I really need to know what you're thinking. And I'm like, Well, I'm just thinking like, I guess, what do you want to do next? Because I outlined what I wanted to do and like, you don't want to do it. She's like, I just, I just want you to learn and grow from this. And, and so again, it was kind of talking in circles at that point. I was like, can you even give me an example of, it sounds like this is also coming from you. Like with you, can you give me an example of when I've done this, when I've been offensive? And she goes, no, sometimes in life. We don't get examples. You know, Haley, just think back on every time possible at this conference where you could have offended someone and that, you know, no one's in that thought process, but you, you just need to practice self-reflection. And then, you know, that, you know, that nod, that's like the therapist nod. That's like, mm-hmm. she did that for like, like 30 seconds. 
it sounded so caring and thoughtful and I just really care about you. But it, it wasn't. Jenna was fabricating a narrative to reprimand Haley as a way to trigger her insecurities and anxiety. Jenna is also projecting her own actions and insecurities onto Haley by saying that her colleagues were offended by her. Jenna refusing to give any context because she doesn't have any makes things more confusing and convoluted for Haley. Not knowing where to turn, Haley went outside the organization for some insight. After that call, I got advice from a few mentors in my life. I feel really horrible. I feel like the whole team hates me. And, you know, how do I learn from this? And every person that I asked, there were about four people, like, who are wiser than me that I go to for advice. They were like, oh, just ask your teammates. Like, it's a small team. Don't go to them talking about what Jenna told you, but just ask them for feedback on how you did. And so I did that. And I was very clear to not talk about her. I just was like, hey, like, you know, I'm, I'm kind of concerned that maybe I don't come across in the right way. Do you have any constructive feedback for me? If you're not comfortable giving that, no problem. You know, I just want to learn and grow. And all of them, except one who was friends with Jenna, gave me excellent feedback. They were like, no, you're doing great. Don't overthink it. Don't be insecure. Like, that's the only negative feedback I have is like, you overthink everything. It was really good to hear from them and be like, okay, like not everyone hates me. I'm not crazy. I'm not this offensive person. Getting direct feedback from her colleagues helped Haley understand the situation for what it was, a direct attempt by Jenna to bring her down. But Jenna was trying to get ahead of the game. She brought the interim CEO, Karen, into the mix. So after that call with Jenna and asking my teammates for feedback. This was the interim CEO's last week of work. So Karen, right? The next day, after I had asked some teammates for feedback, I guess Jenna got wind of it somehow. And Jenna called me at five. So my day ends at five. She called me at five. I didn't answer because I was done. So she kept calling me. And I'm like, oh my goodness, like, I don't want to talk to her again. I was feeling uncomfortable from the last call. I just didn't want to talk. So she texts me. She's like, hey, do you have a minute for a quick call? You know, I was like, you know, maybe it's something work related. I'll just answer. I'm like, hey, how's it going? What's up? She says, hey, Haley, real quick. I'm just looping in Karen on this call. And so Karen joins the call. Basically, they both start to like reprimand me for asking my teammates for feedback, telling me that that doesn't align with our culture and you shouldn't have done that. That was not the right thing to do. And at that point, I was triggered. I was pissed off. Like, I was just like, I'm not dealing with this anymore. And so I was like, you know, Karen, this is really inappropriate. You shouldn't have called me like this. I didn't violate any policies. I asked my teammates for feedback on how I can grow as a professional because I didn't get the correct feedback from my manager. And she's like, well, you should have gone to her and asked her for context. And I said, I have it documented. I asked for context three different times and was denied that context. And right now, honestly, I'm feeling really uncomfortable with this call. I would like to press pause and bring in some kind of accountability next week because it was a Friday. She was like, well, no, we need to get this taken care of right now because the new CEO is going to start and I don't want him to know about all this. And like, she was very much trying to cover her butt as far as like wanting him to think everything was perfect and that she did an amazing job. I'm like, please follow the staff guidelines and the handbook. And then they pulled the God card again. And they're like, no, God said we didn't have to. I feel like I was kind. I don't know. But at the end, I was like, you know, Karen, we're just going to have to agree to disagree. And me and Jenna are going to have to work this out without you. I was also advised by the same mentors to document all of that. Since we didn't have HR, the next step up would have been the new CEO that we just got. So I did document things and I shared it with him And I shared it with a huge caveat of, hey, I'm coming to you in confidence. If you could just help me 
understand if this is acceptable, you know, because that helps me kind of make a decision about where I need to be. He ignored me for a full week. And then the following week, I I was called into a meeting with Jenna and the CEO, and they presented me with a letter of last chance. A letter of last chance comes after like multiple written warnings and a performance improvement plan. And typically it's used for preventing litigation when an employee has like some kind of addiction or something that's preventing them from doing their job well. And you've given them all the chances. And then this letter is their last chance, right? It's exactly what it sounds like. So they present me with this. This is the first ever written warning of any kind that I received. (laughs) It outlined that I had 30 days to fix my behavior or I would be terminated. They said that it was my responsibility to take ownership of everything that happened with my manager. I was unwilling to receive feedback that I was defensive, that I shouldn't have asked other team members for feedback, that my communication is bad, that my interpersonal skills are bad, that I disrespect authority, and that I was demanding. The last one just makes me laugh. Uh, It says you're to take full ownership of your demands that your leadership approach you solely on your terms. (laughs) I'm like, my terms were the employee handbook. My terms were, hey, I asked for accountability here. And you guys told me no four different times. Haley was able to arm herself with truth and insight from outsiders who were able to help her see her situation more clearly. She handled the situation methodically and ethically. She didn't break any rules, and she didn't try to tear anyone down. She was simply searching for the truth, which in turn exposed Jenna's true character. This organization supports those who comply with their corrupted agenda, so it was Haley that was reprimanded, not Jenna. The letter of last chance was a harsh attempt to push Haley out. And at this point, Haley saw all she needed to see, and she saw herself out. So basically, they threatened me if I told anyone else on the team that this letter was given to me, that I would be fired immediately. That was basically the end of it. After that, I resigned. They gave me what I needed to know. I kind of just was hoping for like a mediated conversation with the CEO. So I resigned and gave my two weeks and the CEO had a one-on-one with me where he kind of told me like, Hey, I had to, you know, stand by my leadership team, but you know, I, I really think in a couple months, if you want to not work with Jenna, like maybe we can work that out. And I was like, well, the message I got from you a couple days ago was that you really didn't care if I leave or not. So I, I'm okay just leaving. <laughs> like We don't need to like play this game. So then Jenna told me, you know, don't tell the team. I'll tell the team about it. But like I told them anyway, because I was friends with a lot of these people. Like she made it sound like very like, we love you and we're going to miss you and blah, blah, blah. Like this super dramatic, overly kind email that I knew she didn't mean it at all. So I just wanted to tell them in my own way. Haley left and never looked back. She didn't have a job lined up when she left, but she put full effort into her job search and found something better where she's been able to grow as a professional in her career. I asked her what advice she has to someone in a similar situation. To someone who's thinking about leaving, um, I would say honor the wisdom of your body. My body was telling me to leave. Um, I was getting chronic fatigue flare-ups, just like chest pain and weight gain, um, very uh, like kind of unexplainable things that were happening. So I would just say, listen to your body. And if your body's telling you to leave, you need to be well. And that's the number one priority. And you deserve to work somewhere that doesn't put your body in fight or flight. I actually quit with nothing lined up. 
And I'm 90 days out now from my last day at that job. And I have another job and it's great. So I feel like it depends on your situation, but sometimes it's more worth it to get a month behind on your electrical bill than it is to keep subjecting your mind and body to stress and harm. There are so many resources that you can use if you're struggling financially. Like I know for the past 90 days, my husband and I have utilized like mobile food banks. We have utilized payment plans. Um, LinkedIn premium had a one month free. That's actually what like helped me get my job. I utilized like everything on LinkedIn premium for the one month and then canceled it. And then to someone who's starting over at a new job, like what I'm learning right now is be gentle and patient with yourself. Um, You're going to be relearning how to be in a normal workplace. So I worked somewhere that had no boundaries. And now I work at a big insurance company that they have a lot of boundaries. (laughs) So, you know, just notice the boundaries and like don't discount your experience. I think that's easy to do. You're still working through it and trying to relearn a new experience that's hopefully a lot safer and kinder to you. Searching for truth can be a challenging but vital journey. It requires a steadfast commitment to discerning reality from manipulation. Holding on to your convictions and trusting your instincts can be a source of empowerment. If you're in a situation where someone is trying to paint a false narrative around you, trust your instincts. And if you consistently feel confused, manipulated, or doubt your own reality, it's a potential sign of gaslighting. Seek support and validation from trusted sources like Haley did. Next time on Toxic Workplace. Like I was constantly being reprimanded because I wouldn't speak direct to script. I can't. That is not how I can speak. You don't speak to an 80-year-old man the same way you speak to an 18-year-old girl. You you speak to them differently. So they were wanting me to say the exact same words every single time and prod these questions. They'd then come back to you. You'd be on a call. You'd literally just hang up and then you'd get a message through. Do you think there is another question you could have asked that person to really dive into why they came to the website? Are you joking? Are you sitting there listening to me live? Look, I guess it was their job. For me, it was like micromanagement to the highest degree. I've had micromanaging bosses. This was nothing. (laughs) Like they were nothing compared to this. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you have a story to share, please go to ToxicWorkplacePodcast.com, click on Be a Guest, and fill out the submission form. Your story will be completely anonymous. All names are changed to protect the employer and the employee. And if you like this podcast, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify.